finally this hour, and for the first time this year, actually, we are crossing over to our friends at the BBC to take a look at some of the events that are making headlines internationally. Tonight we are speaking to Rich Preston, who's on the line now. Rich, g'day. Uh, welcome tonight and, and Happy New Year. And Happy New Year to you too. Good evening. Very good to be with you. So let's, um, well, let's talk America. America is probably the story of the day um, because the Republican primaries are happening, um, well, as we, as we speak, really, aren't they? And there was some big news today. Ron DeSantis, uh, what, stepping out of the race, suspending his campaign? What, how do we read this? Yeah, that's right. He's out. And this is a really interesting one because, well, so first and foremost, uh, let's talk about the contenders themselves. Sure. There was Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump, former president, President 45, did not take part in any of the debates. And that seems to have done wonders for his campaign, because in the Iowa caucuses, he got 51 percent of the vote, uh, trailing a long way behind him. Uh, in second and third place, respectively, were Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Now, they were fairly neck and neck, just a couple of points between the two of them. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who campaigns on his war on woke, and uh, uh, Nikki Haley, former UN ambassador, who campaigns on her political and diplomatic experience. Now, that was the result in Iowa, but this week we're seeing the primaries in New Hampshire. This, of course, is all about who's going to be the Republican candidate in the presidential election. And whilst Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis were neck and neck in Iowa, the predictions were very different in New Hampshire. Different crowd, different audience. You're talking just north of Boston, uh, different audience, East Coast, different interests. And uh, Ron DeSantis was only expected to get 5% of the votes. And so ahead of the primary primaries, he has taken himself out of the race. Now, one could say that makes it a two-horse race, but really, this is still very much a one-horse race. Donald Trump is still leading in the polls uh, to get ahead, which, you know, if that continues, if that pattern continues, then uh, come the big Republican meeting in a few months' time, he will be the one that gets the uh, Republican presidential ticket ahead of uh, the uh, the election later on this year. Now, it's been really interesting to watch this, uh, especially because, as I mentioned, the, the two different fronts that Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis were campaigning on. Now, Nikki Haley uh, served under President Trump, so she uses that to her advantage, but then she, you know, ups her diplomatic experience. Um, one of the interesting things about her in New Hampshire, as I mentioned, it's a different crowd, different interests. There's uh, 40% of the voters in New Hampshire are independent voters. They're not really aligned to local Republican parties and such like. So she'll be hoping to get some of their votes. She'll also be hoping that now Ron DeSantis is out, she might get some of his votes. Now, in his uh, speech pulling out of the campaign, he said he's backing Donald Trump. And I think realistically, most people who might have voted for Mr. DeSantis will switch their allegiances back to Donald Trump. But who knows? Nikki Haley might pick up a few. We'll, uh, we'll have to see how, uh, how things go tomorrow. What a, what a damp squib Ron DeSantis' campaign turned out to be. You know, he, he, what, he went to war with Disneyland. Remember that? He went to war with Disney World. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, War on Woke was his big thing. And in his kind of departure speech, he talked about his respect for President Trump, but did acknowledge their disagreements, including mm. on things like COVID. Now, Florida famously didn't lock down, didn't have any mask mandates. Uh, his War on Woke is a big one. That's what he fell out with Disney about, all to do with things like gender identity. There, there's been talks around book bans in mm. schools, a bus bathroom bills, all this kind of stuff. That really was his campaign. I'm a, a, a straight talking man of the people. And what was interesting in some ways, 
that pitted him against Donald Trump because mm. that's a lot of what Donald Trump's rhetoric is. You know, that the man of the people, I'm not part of the political elite. And when you're up against Donald Trump, do you want to be in his camp or against him? And I think it did Mr. DeSantis a disservice to be seen as to, to be seen as a bit of a competitor of Mr. Trump's. And Donald Trump called him Ron DeSanctimonious at several points in the campaign. <laughs> now, of course, now he's pulled out of the race. Mr. Trump has said he did a great job. He's a great guy. He ran a great campaign. But that's because he's not a threat anymore. And I think, truth be told, for most Republican voters, when you've got the choice between Mr. Trump and Mr. DeSantis, it was quite clear, especially after Iowa, most of them were still going for Mr. Trump. Rich, let's, let's turn our attention now to uh, what, the world's most populous country, India. And you are keeping your eyes on India this week. What, what's happening in that part of the world? Yeah, a couple of interesting things. So just today, the Prime Minister Narendra Modi has opened a, a new Hindu temple in the city of Ayodhya in Uttar Pradesh state. Uh, 4,000 religious leaders joined him, 2,000 other invited guests. Uh, now, there are 7,000 Hindu temples in India. Uh, over a billion Hindus across the country. So what's one more? Well, this one is hugely controversial. It's a shrine to celebrate the birthplace of the Hindu god Ram, one of the most revered gods in Hinduism. Mm -hmm. But it sits on the site of what was a medieval mosque, which was torn down in the early 90s uh, by a Hindu mob that triggered religious riots in which thousands of people died. Now, this was a campaign promise of Mr. Modi's when he ran for election in 2014. He said he was going to build this Hindu temple on this site. There have been various legal challenges between Hindu and Muslim communities leading up to this. But Mr. Modi said, no, I'm going to do it. So he is seeing through on that promise. And that's an important point because this ostensibly looks like a religious event, but it's not. This is entirely political. Mr. Modi runs the Hindu nationalist BJP or leads the Hindu nationalist BJP. And many see this uh, as the prime minister violating India's secular constitution. Now, some Hindu leaders did not attend today's event. Uh, opposition politicians did not attend today's event. This is entirely a political move orchestrated by the BJP as part of Narendra Modi's campaign. And the timing is not insignificant. This all comes before India celebrates its Republic Day on Friday, the 75th Republic Day this year, celebrating the Indian constitution coming into effect and really that severing of ties with its former colonial uh, ruler, Britain. So for many in India, especially supporters of the BJP, this is a real chance to celebrate this new temple. Uh, I mean, it looks beautiful, regardless of your views mm -hmm. on uh, religion or politics. It's, it's a fabulous looking Amazing building. building yeah. But from, from many in the country, especially the, the Muslim population, this is a real sore moment and, and really salt in what feels like a very open wound at the moment uh, as, as they see their, uh, their faith being questioned, their place in the country being questioned, and this Hindu nationalism kind of creeping through. And finally, Rich, uh, a couple of minutes left. Uh, the, the war between Israel and Hamas, of course, continues. Um, but Elon Musk is making a trip to the Auschwitz concentration camp this week. Why is this significant? 
Well, this comes uh, in the run-up to Holocaust Memorial Day, when, of course, people around the world remember the more than six million who perished in the Holocaust. And since the Hamas attacks of October 7th, we've seen a rise in anti-Semitic abuse and violence, and that includes in the online world. Elon Musk has been accused of not only allowing anti-Semitism on uh, X, formerly Twitter, but in some cases of promoting it and encouraging it. Now, he has vociferously denied accusations of anti-Semitism. He has previously visited Israel to the, see the sites of the Hamas attacks. But this week, he's joining European and Israeli leaders in Krakow in Poland for the conference of the European Jewish Association. And as part of this, he will be going to Auschwitz-Birkenau, the largest and deadliest of the Nazi death camps where uh, more than a million people, most of them Jewish, of course, died. Now, this does two things. First of all, it repairs some of the damage done with these accusations of anti-Semitism on X, formerly Twitter, uh, and it mends a few ties. But it goes a step further than that. And with the conflict between Israel and Hamas, many are looking to not only political leaders, but influential people in the media, yeah. in the business world, to pick a side, really, Israel and its war on terror and its self-defense, or the Palestinians and what they say is a genocide against their people. And for many, they're saying that this is Elon Musk making his choice clear. Yes, uh, going against anti-Semitism, but also very much uh, in the opinions of many siding with Israel in its war on Hamas. Rich Preston, thanks very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Good to talk to you, Mel. Thank you.